This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of May 9th, 2016, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 320 of Defender Radio. Do compassion and city politics go together? Can we really expect local politicians to do what's right for the animals, but still balance their duties to their constituents, who they see every day? If you're Valerie Burke, you find a way. The city councillor from Markham has successfully advocated for wildlife in her constituency, including supporting an initiative launched by the Fur Bears last year, asking fast food franchises to change the dome lids on beverage containers that have proven disastrous for animals like skunks. To introduce the Fur Bears to the city of Markham and her own wildlife advocacy as a politician, Councillor Burke recently joined Defender Radio. Well, I was very excited to see some of the work you're doing. Um, and b- before we kind of dive into uh, the environmental initiatives and wildlife-related initiatives you've been working on in Markham, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, how you got into politics? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your election website and see that you've got a, a very diverse background. You've got a lovely family and a beautiful dog. Um, so how, how how did you end up uh, a counselor? Well, it's a really good question. I was... I, I was a community activist because I have a lot of very uh, strong interests and convictions about protecting the environment and protecting built heritage and uh, you know speaking up for um, people with disabilities and that kind of thing. And so I was very active with the residents' associations and my friend and I adopted Pomona Mills Park in 1999. It's a program that's through, at the time, the town of Markham, we're now the city of Markham, to encourage residents to take care of their local parks. And we have Pomona Park that's very close to our house, which is along the East Don River. So we, the two of us met each other walking our dogs, and we got to know each other, and Anne was a, uh, she was a biologist, and we figured we needed to get together and and help the park do cleanups and try to get some plantings. It was it was in need of planting, native planting restoration. So, and that group is still going strong. And then, uh, just to to um, not go on and on, the reason I ran is I helped Aaron Shapiro get elected in 2000, and she's a strong environmentalist. And then my counselor said that, he, that people could drink copious amounts of pesticide. It was at the time when we were trying to encourage people to stop using pesticides on their lawns and then get the municipality to enact a restrictive pesticide bylaw. And he had gone to an industry-sponsored event and said that, you know, you can drink, I, I can't remember how many gallons. It was a lot of, it was quite a lot of D, uh, 2,4-D. And so it was kind of, at that point, I just thought, people said, why don't you try to be counselor? And I didn't think I could do it. And I figured, you know what, I've got all the background. I I do have a lot of experience with community activism, with with um, handling the media, various aspects. And if I want to help the environment and help animals and do all of the things like protect built heritage and help people with disabilities, then what better 
position than to actually be the counselor and have a vote. And so that's how I got into it. Well, and you know, it's, it's a very familiar story. I, I was a, uh, a news journalist in Oakville, primarily, as well as Hamilton, Toronto. Um, and a, a number of people I have met over the years who ended up on council and did incredible things. It's a very similar story of, yeah, it's, it's the background of just doing what you felt was right for the community. And then sort of a time came along when you just needed to step up a little bit more and everybody agreed that, yeah, you're the right person for the job. Um, and it, it's it's very interesting. And I think a lot of folks who are going to be listening aren't necessarily from the GTA. Uh, Markham is one of the many communities around Toronto. Um, and I, I'm just trying to think of how to describe it because it's it, it's very much to me like Mississauga, um, where it's sort of, it's a suburb, but it's not a suburb and there's green space, but there's also a lot of development. How, how would you describe it sort of in that how it's located and uh, what what the, the residential industrial makeup is. Yes, you are correct. It, uh, Markham is in the northern part of, well, just north of Toronto. And I guess a lot of people would describe it as a suburb. We are, we're now a city, but that, it, basically our populations got so big. We, I guess... I know that we've tried really hard to intensify to stop urban sprawl. Um, unfortunately, I'm still we we are experience we do experience urban sprawl, and we, along with the city of Vaughan and East Gwillimbury, are the three municipalities in the region of York, which is a total of nine municipalities that have the most amount of what the province has called white belt. And white belt is basically countryside and farmland that, if the municipality so chooses, can be rezoned to to residential. So just to let you know, the city of Markham will be facing another decision in 2018 as to whether or not we expand our urban boundary into more of the what they call white belt or the countryside in response to the provinces accommodating population growth up to the year 2041. And I fought hard in 2010 to prevent that along with former Councillor Aaron Shapiro. We lost by one vote and the two of us were actually sued by a very powerful wealthy developer. It was a classic slap suit and it was it was defeated in the court. It was a resounding victory for Aaron and I. But um, this is what we're facing. I know our planners try to do as much pedestrian-friendly and intensified type of development, walkable, transit-oriented, but uh, it, it is difficult because when you look at the plan that we're on, we're on the old farm concessions, and we we have wide roads. The region wants to widen them more. Um, Markham has widened roads, and so we're trying to be one thing, and yet we're another. And we have a lot of pressure, huge pressure from developers, huge. And the developers have purchased a lot of the countryside. They have been sitting on it for quite a long time. 
Well, and that's something I remember. Uh, like I was just, uh, as I said, I live in Hamilton and I'm from Oakville. Um, and I went to visit my folks a couple of weeks ago. And I don't recognize entire areas anymore. And it's just been a few years since I lived there. Um, and it's it's a very well. It's a, I don't think it's quite as drastic, but it's a very similar situation where it's all of the old agricultural lands that was purchased 25 years ago, um, yeah. or it was purchased and just sort of leased to individual homeowners for a long, long time. And then as soon as the zoning goes through, uh, some of these large developers go in with the prefab houses, and it's an entire community all of a sudden of 2,000 people in what mm-hmm. was once a cornfield. It's it's remarkable yeah. in a frightening way to see mm-hmm. um, and and one of the things that i know oakville has struggled with uh, and i'm sure you're familiar with oakville's many battles with the omb uh the ontario municipal board um is uh some of the connectivity of the green spaces um mm-hmm. and this is something that the province I, I i'm still not clear as to whether or not the green belt's going to be a good thing in the big picture or not but the green belt was that very large swatch of land along the escarpment uh, that they protected saying, you know, we don't want this to change. Um, mm-hmm. And Oakville as a, uh, a suburb city is, or town of Oakville, uh, I can still get, hear the mayor yelling at me over that, um, is the uh, uh, the North Oakville secondary plan. They try to sort of say, we're going to allow the growth, but we're going to be very careful about where it is. We're going to allow all of these parts and connectivity. But it was, mm-hmm. a, a, I, I think, probably like a, a generational battle. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that this is really happening elsewhere in Canada. I know in British Columbia, there's a lot of challenges, but I don't think it's quite as intense, nor do I think the ramifications are as obvious as it is around Toronto. Mm-hmm. I guess, well, I know when I think of Vancouver, uh, I, I know there's been a lot of growth there, but I guess well, they have the, you know, they've got the ocean, they've got the mountains, and here we've, we really have, well, we've got, farmlands that, uh, especially in York Region, you know, going up to Lake Simcoe and surrounding there, and it's, unfortunately, it's viewed as a raw ingredient to the pro- to the housing product. And and when former Councillor Shapiro and I tried to, you know, fight against the expansion of the urban boundary, our arguments were that we actually came up uh, with, with the help of Jim Robb, friends of the Rouge, with the idea of a food belt, because it's the best farmland in Canada, and we're going to put houses on it when the pop- world population is exploding, it made absolutely no sense. But when you read the fine print of the reports from York Region, they depend on this growth revenue to help pay off their their debt. Um, a lot of the salaries are paid through development charges. And then another thing that concerns me is municipal campaigns are funded by developers. That's one thing each and every election I've run in, I do not take money from developers. Yes, that's, uh, that has come up a lot in Ontario. Again, for those who, who have not uh, followed municipal politics, um, and again, with my experience being Hamilton, Mississauga, Toronto, Oakville, um, that has been contentious in every mayoral election in at least the last 20 years that I'm aware of. Um, like, And again, it's a big part of the campaign is who donates. Um, and that, that can make or break it. I mean, I, I still remain confident that is the reason Anne Mulvale did not win her, what, third or fourth row in uh, Oakville was purely over development uh, donations. 
Um, but and, and I think one of the things I saw a lot of, and I'm curious to see if you've uh, uh, really experienced any of this in Markham, and it'll play into some of the other bits we're going to talk about, is the way this development then impacts wildlife and conflict. Um, one, one of the most drastic incidents I ever saw, um, and you'll remember when a, uh, a little girl got nipped in Oakville a few years ago, and it made national news by a coyote. Um, and I was working in that area at the time, and there was all kinds of issues, including direct feeding and indirect feeding in that area that uh, we discovered with Coyote Watch Canada uh, when I was a journalist. And also one of the things that never got talked about is that in the months prior to that incident and prior to the increased conflict with coyotes had been all of this strip along the service road on the highway. Um, and Oakville is a pretty much, a, again, just trying to paint the quick picture, is a square with a highway in the middle. Um, and sort of housing at the top and then housing at the bottom and commercial industrial along the highway. And this big swatch of, and I guess it was just unused field almost, that ran alongside some of the ravines and everything, got turned into a storage facility, a car dealership, and an office building. And all of a sudden, there was conflict happening three kilometers north of there. Um, And no one really ever talked about that. Uh, and I know it's something that, again, in some of the future planning they're looking at, but is that something you have seen as well? One thing that happened last year that was very, very unfortunate, a resident had alerted me right by the Unionville GO train station. There's a nice kind of a old field with some remnants of an orchard, and it was right during the time when the birds are almost ready to fledge. And the next day when she came to take the train, it was absolutely silent because it had been bulldozed for a parking lot. And although that approval had gone in, you know, it's, I mean, it's the timing too. It's the sensitivity. Like, um, uh, One of the things I do have to tell you that the city of Markham is uh, one of our projects this year is to come up with a wildlife strategy. I'm always advocating for wildlife um, I always highlight what's going to happen to the wildlife. What about the wildlife corridors when we talk about bridges? Is there room for the wildlife to to travel underneath? And that's also good for people, for the pedestrians and bicyclists. But um, also where we put roads, you know, we put roads right through critical habitats. We're having turtles hit by cars in uh, the eastern, northeastern part of Markham. We have to really think. We can't just put in roads and not think about these wildlife corridors and the effect on the wildlife. So it's something that I know that the staff, that they they do care about. I think it's just, I don't know, it's just sort of the way people have always done business that they haven't thought about it in the past. So. Well, and that's definitely something I've seen, uh, and I would agree it's very certainly an issue. And it's something, uh, again, whether we're looking, you know, in Ontario with some of these development issues, we're looking in British Columbia with trapping, uh, all kinds of different wildlife issues. Um, what What has the response been? I mean, when, when you talk to staff and everything. They're concerned about it, and it hasn't been something they've considered, or it's it's not that they don't care. In fact, actually, just today, I got a email confirmation from our Commissioner of Development Services. There's uh, some buildings that are going to be taken down in my ward, and I highlighted at Council that uh, to ask the staff to request the owner to ensure that no wildlife are harmed, because 
you know, if they take down a building and there's wildlife in it, then they could be injured. And I know that the wildlife will be displaced. Um, but I don't think they perhaps had thought about it. And the mayor mentioned, oh, yes, that's true. And if there's perhaps bats in there, we have to make sure that, uh, you know, that the owner is is cognizant that they have to be very careful before they just go and demolish this building. So, I mean, in a perfect world, I wouldn't have those animals displaced. But I guess it's what I'm saying is I think things have improved because now there is a heightened awareness with our council and staff about being mindful of wildlife. Oh, absolutely. And it, it also seems that it's it's being mindful and then saying, if we think about this, and it, and what I have seen in what you've been saying is that very quickly you come up with a solution as well. It's not like it's we have to stop all development everywhere and stop the business of council in the city to figure out how to save one squirrel. It's let's think about it, and then when a problem comes up, we can very quickly find a solution as well. That's right. Yes, and you know, I think that they really do want to do the right thing. It's they they do they they're not callous, hard-hearted people or anything. Um, we have done a lot of great things. We have our bird-friendly guidelines. We've retrofitted, and we are retrofitting all of our older, our existing Markham buildings with the bird-friendly um, film. Uh, we have downward-facing lighting. I'm all, I do talk about light pollution, the effect on wildlife and human health all the time. Uh, we have... Um, trying to think what else have we done um, we're coming up with our wildlife strategy we contract with the Toronto Wildlife Center for residents um, concerns about wildlife we have a new cat adoption and education center and just a couple weeks ago they hosted a, a wildlife seminar for the public the Toronto Wildlife Center to educate the public about wildlife and living harmoniously with wildlife trying to think off the top of my head uh, we have we don't have a bylaw but if if a resident or residents want to host an event say at our civic center we do discourage the release of balloons and and educate them so it's not to, just you know, saying don't do this it's it's explaining yeah, why exactly that's right because again a lot of people they might not have they might not be aware of it, of the consequences of the balloons after they come down and they're litter and they're harmful to the wildlife, they once they know that, then they they uh, they prefer to to do something else to celebrate their event that's that's a lot uh, less harm you know that's not harmful to the wildlife. Well, and one of the things we were talking about uh, via email, or I, I was speaking to your to your assistant about via email, is the uh, the dome lids, and this was a campaign that we got involved with. Oh yes. With. I, that was the one I wanted to, that's right, that's how we started this whole uh, contact. Yes, uh, I was really proud of our mayor for writing those letters. And we have an animal care committee, and this was vetted through the committee, and they made the recommendation, and and he didn't hesitate to write those letters, and I thought that was, you know, it was fabulous. No, well, and to backtrack, just uh, again, so everyone's sort of on the same page with us as we, uh, and again, we'll get back into that, but it's the, the domelids that come on the, uh, typically the ice caps um, or uh, other cold beverages from Tim Hortons and uh, McDonald's that very frequently we see skunks 
uh, uh, the most. Although other animals such as squirrels and raccoons and uh, even cats and dogs can be injured by these, but it's often skunks because of the shape of their head. That's right. They stick their head in to try and get at whatever sweet stuff is inside, and then they can't get it off, and it literally cuts into them. Yes, yes. It can, I mean, it can, you know, seriously injure them or even kill them. And it's something that's totally preventable. I mean, you know, as humans, we're, we are creative animals, and we need to be stewards. And to try to, you know, to design a lid that's not going to be harmful to the wildlife is, there's no excuse why why that can't be done. Absolutely, it should have been done a long time ago. Unfortunately, people will litter. Uh, we try to educate people, but you know that's just a reality that people do litter. And until those lids, the design of those lids has changed, we're going to have this problem. And it's it's completely preventable, just like with the the birds hitting windows and the light pollution. There's there's ways that we can mitigate the um, the harmful effects to the wildlife. So I, I guess um, the the update on that is uh, the mayor did get a letter from Tim Hortons thanking him for the letter and that they're going to look into it. We have not yet heard from McDonald's. I I, <laughs> I can't say anything about that without coming across as horribly callous. But um, no, it's it's great to hear that Tim Hortons has gotten back to you already. Um, they're they're the one I would expect realistically to get behind this kind of initiative. Um, and mm-hmm. it's also great for us as a nonprofit to see a municipality take the lead like this through your leadership and through the mayor um, to to really try and sort of present this as this is a problem in our community and we'd like you, a private business, to look at it. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. it's something that mm-hmm. in the long run will end up with a great amount of influence and maybe more than we expect initially Um Especially when you consider that every time a Tim Hortons wants to open up a new shop, uh, they have to go through a zoning process. They have to go through licensing through the communities they're in. Hmm. Um, And it puts an extra bit of pressure on them to say, you know, we like having you here. We want your business. But uh, let's work together on these solutions. Uh, You're absolutely right. And uh, I know Tim Hortons is really big on... Earth Day events, they provide coffee for our cleanup and they, you know, they want to be a part of the community and good corporate citizen. And so I'm hoping McDonald's will respond soon. Um, oh, the other thing I want to mention that the city of Markham, we just recently passed our Monarch Butterfly City Friendly uh, Proclamation and we have a whole action plan through our sustainability department. Oh, that's uh, great. To help residents plant milkweed, and we want to um, increase our native wildflowers, educate residents about the need for. I get complaints from uh, various residents. They say, "Oh, this area looks untidy. It hasn't been mowed." But they, once they understand that these areas are important for pollinators, then I think they have much better appreciation. So it. So I'm very excited about this latest initiative and the mayor was really excited and proud. And the other thing I did also want to mention to Michael is we've had our Trees for Tomorrow campaign for the last, I think it's about 10 years, which has been phenomenally successful. And uh, so that has really, you know, that's a key component in helping our wildlife. 
Now, uh, to, to wrap up, I think one of the things a lot of people, there's, there's actually two parts to this. One is for the people who are trying to talk to their counselor, trying to talk to their local representative, who may be very, very resistant to the idea of, you know, wildlife-friendly communities, maybe resistant to the concept of responsible environmental practices at every level of government. Um, and then there's also counselors who want to get their, their colleagues more involved with this. They want them to see the, the big picture very much as you do now. What kind of advice do you offer to those people who are, who are, are trying to get more out there, but maybe just aren't quite getting the success that you have found? I think that you, I mean, you obviously have to be persistent and, and I think every, every action you take, it's like you're planting a seed and you might, you might be frustrated in the short term and feel that you're not getting anywhere, but determination and persistence do pay off. And I always recommend take the positive approach, take the high road. It's, it's just the best way to, to enact positive change. You just get so much more when you're, um, you know, try not to be confrontational and critical. And I think that, you know, I, I do know with our council, I mean, they're all good people and they care. It's just I seem to be the one who's always speaking out because, uh, you know, they know me as the wildlife counselor. But it's not that they don't care and they don't listen. They are receptive. Um, and that's what's good about our council. We have diverse views and backgrounds. But I guess the point is that um, they like to be, you know, they, they have a sense of pride and they like to be, for instance, the first municipality that declares uh, the city as monarch butterfly friendly or so, some kind of in initiative like that. So perhaps that could be a way that their municipality would be the first to to take on some kind of great initiative. I think it's also you have to really relate it to children. And children are, as you know, they children and animals are go hand in hand. It's they the children well, they're so open minded, they're so loving and they 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 just gravitate towards animals. And I you know, children as they say, they're our future. We need to have, if it's Earth Day today, what type of world are we leaving for them? So if people who are trying to, to move the um, the wildlife uh, relationship in a positive direction, I think it's always good to relate it to, to children. To learn more about what Councillor Valerie Burke is up to or get in touch with her, visit markham.ca. That's the show for this week, folks. I hope you're all enjoying the beautiful late spring weather and staying safe out there. Until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.